With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming to you from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts where Atlanta United and New England played to a 1-1 draw, a controversial 1-1 draw, on a beautiful Wednesday night. I'm joined as always by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. If you haven't already read uh, the game story that I posted, I uh, just updated it with some quotes. You can find that on my Twitter feed at Doug Robertson AJC, and you'll be able to find this podcast on iTunes or on Twitter or on Atlanta United News Now on our Facebook page. All right, Jason. 1-1 draw. Atlanta United moves into sole possession of first place in the East with 26 points, but it's one point when they probably should have had three. Yeah, the way the game played out, you think you know three points out of here was what you'd expect for the majority of the match. I feel like you know some of the frustration is coming from the way previous matches played out and carrying over to this, which is completely understandable. But I actually really liked the game plan tonight from Atlanta United. I felt like they controlled the game really well. They limited big chances for New England. They dealt with the press really well, opened New England up. Um, not as decisive in front of goal as you'd like, but Matt Turner also made six saves, mm-hmm. and a couple big saves in the second half mm-hmm. on Ezekiel Barco. So it's not like you were wasting chances by putting them in the stands or not getting shots off. This was a good performance that the opposition goalkeeper was up to the challenge, and they get a goal against the run of play, I think. Um, soft penalty, but there was contact. It's it's frustrating in the bigger context of the way the last few matches have gone. Yeah, let's let's talk. We'll talk about the penalties, and then we'll talk about why Lenny United probably shouldn't blame uh, referee Silvio Petrescu. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't in this one. For to well, there is one thing that we can talk about that I think. Well, there's two things. First off, the penalty it happened in the 88th minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Kratz and Nemeth uh, collided uh, slightly mm-hmm. in the penalty box. It was a soft penalty. Uh, if it was even a penalty. My problem is that while I'm sure the VAR is telling Petrescu what they see, he still has the right that he can go and look at the replay system. Mm -hmm. To not use it on a a play that, I mean, it was not a hard penalty. It was much softer than Ambrose getting bulldozed in the penalty box which was not a penalty. Right. Why he did not go and look at the replay, I don't understand why the system is in place. 
and that's where it's frustrating because the way the the way the rule in the system has been written I think it actually played out the way that it should. I didn't feel like it was a clear and obvious mistake on calling that a penalty. So if you go by that, then it wouldn't be looked at. The problem is, in recent matches, you've had the same thing happen where you see a play happen and you don't think it's a clear and obvious error. Joseph Martinez's goal against Red Bulls. That, that one and, and the offside goal that was called, it was called, it was called. So those right. mistakes, yet they were looked at. This one... I feel like you go with the play, the call on the field, and it's not looked at. But in that context of the way previous calls have gone, it's incredibly frustrating. And these are the things in that consistency that right. MLS has to clean up because it's very frustrating when you don't know what you're going to get week to week. I mean, Ambrose told me he was about to tap that ball mm-hmm. into the goal, which would have given Atlanta United a 2 0 lead that mm-hmm. should have been 8 to nothing at that point. And he got just run over, flat run over. And Petrescu didn't even didn't go to his ear to signal that someone was talking to him. No one thought it was a penalty when it was pretty clear. And see, that's the one to me. This is where VAR has to come into play because watching that live from where we were, and we were at midfield in a, in a much different spot than you had over here. I didn't think much of it because I thought the cross was behind him. I didn't see the contact as well. It was only after the match that I'm going back through and looking at replays that. There's a lot of contact, and it looks like Ambrose could have got a boot on the ball. That's where your video assistant referee has to be in the ear to say, hey, there's a lot of contact here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot here. You should take a look at this. That's where that consistency comes into play. For me, I'd probably prefer that neither one is called. <coughs> but it's just inconsistent right now. And, I mean, he used it. He was listening to the VAR <laughs> on that bizarre foul uh, at the beginning of the second. I think it was the beginning of the second half. Or, no, it was the end of the first half. And no one knew what he was looking at. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what it's, that was. It's just, the whole thing is just broken right now and, and needs to be fixed. But it should have never gotten to that point because nope. Atlanta United wasted seven to eight chances, including the last ones in uh, injury time in the second half. Seven shots on goal. Um, Turner made six saves. It was just, it was a ridiculously inefficient performance from Atlanta United uh, offensively. You know, I would say that New England was more inefficient because they didn't really trouble Gazan as much. I think Turner made the two big saves on Barco were the game changers for me. Um, the one where he dove to his left was a big save, and then the one off the give-and-go with Romario Williams, that was a, a great build-up play from Romario Williams. And Barco's in clean. Turner's able to get enough of a hand on it to turn it up off the crossbar. I thought it was more of a situation of Matt Turner being that much better tonight. These games happen, and where I'm going to be frustrated with it is when you're not putting the shots on goal. This one I felt like you did. You didn't find the second goal that would have ended it. For me, I feel like if you're looking for something that I think should have been different is you had to make a decision as the second half went on because the game was getting very open. You had to make a decision to either keep going for the second goal or to shut up shop and to shut it down and play very defensive. And Atlanta United kind of did a little of both and didn't really do either one effectively could have been a little more decisive in their tactics there in the last 10-15 minutes. Uh, I said inefficient because 
you you get so many chances where it's one on one with a goalie or three on two or two on one, and did not put any of them away. I know Turner played well, but this is a problem this season for this team. It gets a lot of chances early in games. Usually this time it was late in games, mm-hmm. and are not taking advantage of those opportunities. Well, I mean that's the thing is when if you had you get a second goal here, I think it's game over. I don't think there's any way New England's coming back from two down. And you have to find a way to get that second goal. Some matches, for me, it's been more of an issue where you're wasting chances, you're not getting chances, not getting the shots, you're going for that extra pass. Tonight, you're getting the right number of passes, you're getting in on goal, and you're not putting it past the keeper who has a big night. These things do have to get figured out. And I wonder how many quality chances you can continue to create in a 3-5-2. It is a little more difficult to create them. You're a little more secure, and I thought tonight you controlled the match really well. You limited New England in creating chances, but you weren't able to put the game away. And we'll have to see what uh, what Tata Martino does in response, because Philadelphia is coming into Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday on a high. Four wins in their last five. Mm-hmm. They're going to come in with a ton of confidence right now. And with Viaba's injury, I'm not sure the team's going to get away from the 3-5-2 right now. Um, Viaba is listed as day-to-day, but they also had McCann listed as day-to-day, and he missed two weeks of games. Yeah. Yeah, and with a hyperextended knee, you never know. It's it's really tricky to decide. Um, you have ways to play the four-two-three-one in it. You have to make the decision, are you going to go with this system, which is a little more secure, but it's not truly defensive. Are you going to be able to get enough chances on a regular basis? I thought tonight... Joseph Martinez was our man of the match on uh, on radio. I thought he was very involved in the build-up play, something we haven't seen as much of from him. He was mm-hmm. dropping off the forward line a lot, and to great effect. You need to see more of that because I think it creates more dimensions to this attack. But you have to you have to finish. And tonight they were putting shots on frame, which has been an issue in recent weeks. But you just weren't beating Matt Turner. Right. I thought the defense played well with uh, a, yeah. a new kind of group of starters. Uh, Franco on the right, McCann on the left, Ambrose at wing back. Ambrose was excellent. I thought Ambrose played well. I thought Parkhurst was, again, uh, good. New England had four shots in the first half, three on goal, but none of them were really particularly no. troubling. No, I don't think Gazan had to make a save like Turner made multiple times. Right. No, no nothing. Quality of saves was definitely better for Turner. Uh, there was one that Guzan had to jump on down here. Uh, Good save and a rebound that he yeah. passed on. But that was really about it. Um, thoughts on the crowd? Uh, sparse. Um, it was listed at 10,000, but I don't think there was any way that was 10,000 people. No, no. Um, That's common. Teams usually, the attendance number is almost always higher than the tickets sold. Because that's one of the common business practices. Tickets sold and distributed is yeah. the number that almost every team uses. I thought it was funny that I tweeted out a photo. I think it was 12 minutes before game time. And New England fans are mad at me because they said there were still 12 minutes for people to get here. Like, well, I mean, honestly. It did fill in a little bit more. I'll give them that. <laughs> but, little, not, but it's not like yeah. it was going to double or even triple. Right, right. Uh, uh, that's just kind of funny. We did have some interesting comments from fans as they were walking by our, our radio booth about Atlanta fake fans, and I didn't really understand that because there weren't 10,000 people here. And on a Wednesday night in Atlanta, you're going to have uh, a whole lot more than that. Yeah, 45,000. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Um, 
I think this New England team showed tonight that they are a team to watch in the Eastern Conference. I wasn't yeah. sure. I didn't really know what to think. Um, I was impressed. I thought they were good. They need to be better at home. But they did play fairly toe-to-toe with Atlanta United, who on paper is a better team. I think Brad Friedel's made a lot of the right moves early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed by Brad. I, I think he overthought it tonight a little bit. I didn't like Fagundes out wide. Um, I didn't like the three more defensive midfielders to start the match. Um, Somi coming on had a much better day today than he did on Saturday in Vancouver. But I thought that, that New England looked its best when Namath came on and he was on the right wing of Fagundes was back in the middle. I think for this team to go somewhere, it's going to be on Diego Fagundes pulling the strings as the playmaker. So now Atlanta United will return to action on Saturday in the second of a stretch of five games in uh, about two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the roof is supposed to be open unless there's a monsoon on Saturday, which has been the case in Atlanta the past few days. Uh, but it'll be the second time that the team has played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium with the roof open. As uh, Jason said, the Union are coming in on a high. Uh, this is a team that uh, had Atlanta United beat last year uh, at Talon Energy Stadium until Tyrone Mears popped up with a headed goal late in the game to steal a point and save what was about to be a really poor two-game road trip for the Five Stripes. You think about it when when you look at this, and it's easy to get frustrated about dropping two points tonight, but Atlanta United is still ahead of the pace that Toronto FC had last year on their record-setting season. Atlanta United has only lost one of six on the road this season. I feel like they're coming from a much stronger position in 2018 than they were in 2017. I think what we've all seen though and where some of the frustration comes from is it can be even better and that's a good thing to have this high standard it's it's a good thing for where this team can go sometimes you have to be a little realistic though when you go on the road and like I like I said to uh, people after the match if you had offered me a 1-1 draw at the beginning of it I would have taken it I would have said that's a good result on the road the way the match played out it doesn't feel that way Right, Darren Eels said it was tweeted that it was a draw that feels like a loss. Parker said the same. Yeah, it does. Afterwards, it absolutely does because you felt like you had three points tonight. You didn't see it out. I think there's a lot of positives tonight. There's some negatives to look at as well, and you're going to have to learn those lessons ahead of Philadelphia on Saturday. And again, my, my frustration is simply with VAR. I just I don't, it's inconsistent. I don't understand how it's supposed to be used anymore. If it's clear and obvious error, then it has to be clear and obvious error all the time. I felt like tonight it was actually used the way it should have been used the whole time. But tell that to an Atlanta United squad that feels like it wasn't used correctly in the last two home matches and had goals go back against you that didn't feel like clear and obvious errors. So but again, if you're going to call the one down here, you got to call the one against Ambrose. Right. Or at least look at the replay. Right. It's there. Look at the replay. Yep, and that's that's where it is. I mean, that's that's the way I felt after the uh, penalty at Mercedes-Benz against New York is I felt like the referee would have been very smart to at least look at the replay on that one after pulling a goal back, even if you're not going to pull it back, right. to look at it. Right. Because then I think you don't have as as many hard feelings afterwards. And he, yeah, Even if you look at it and you disagree, and he still rules the same way, mm-hmm. no penalty, at least, okay, he looked at the replay. It the has a different feel used. then. And that's the thing. I don't understand it. To me, I would have liked to have seen neither one of those called because 
I think the Ambrose one, I think the ball was going to get past him. I don't think he was getting that touch. Tough said, to tell. He, said, I know, he said he was about to tap it in. Didn't have the best of angles on the TV broadcast, and I was also checking it out in a commercial break as well, so I need to study that one a little bit more. The, the one that goes against Atlanta, there wasn't a lot of contact. There was contact. It's a veteran play by Namath to take that penalty and go down the way he did. Uh, what do you got coming up? Uh, flying back tomorrow. I will not be on soccer down here in the morning, but John and Jarrett will have your now overreaction Thursday, and I'm sure there will be some of those. Uh, Friday, you'll be on. Uh, I'll be on. Um, I think we might have an Atlanta United 2 player on as well. Soccer down here. It's 9 to 11, Monday to Friday, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, any of your podcast catchers. I'll have uh, player ratings posted later tonight, um, and I'll have a few sidebars, one on the mischances that Atlanta United had, probably one on the defense, how it played, probably one on how uh, how this result happened, if it will affect uh, the team in the next five games. All these things are little elements that are already in the game story that you can read on AJC.com, but I'll expand them out a little bit. Oh, we can have some news, too. Uh, next week's Open Cup match will be on 92.9 The Game. Oh. Mike Conti and I will be calling it, and it will also be on the stream. So our call will be on the stream and also on the radio, and it will be a full radio broadcast with half-hour pregame, full-hour post-match. Um, 92.9 has the Open Cup. I think this is one of the, the few times that MLS Open Cup matches are broadcast on radio. It doesn't happen very often. Well, that's cool. That, that game is on Wednesday at Kennesaw State Stadium which is where the two teams met last year. Um, that was a game that was delayed two and a half hours by yeah. Lightning. Let's um, hope that doesn't happen this time. That's also the game where Joseph Martinez injured his foot and then played on it for a while before he had to sit for a few games. Let's hope that doesn't that. happen as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And we will talk to you later. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.